<coughs> Good morning, dear Sangha. Today is uh, the 11th of June in the year 2009, and we are in the Assembly of Stars Meditation Hall, Lower Hamlet, Plum Village, during our 21-day retreat. We still have another 15 days to go. <coughs> <laughs> I'm not a very good mathematician. Anyway, the Four Noble Truths is like a mathematics. It's the exact science. Because uh, we have seen that the Fourth Noble Truth is uh, just the opposite of the second one. On one side we have uh, right view, on the other side we have wrong view. Right view brings uh, well-being, and wrong views brings uh, ill-being. So it's very exact. There cannot be any mistake in it. For the fourth noble truth, the path, we have uh, right view, and for the second noble truth, We have a wrong view. Wrong view bring about uh, ill being. And right view bring about well being. And we have uh, examined right thinking. (coughs) And we know that uh, right thinking brings well-being. As soon as you produce a thought of reconciliation, Compassion, understanding, non-discrimination. You feel the healing take place in your body and in your mind. And you feel better right away. So right thinking brings well-being. Right thinking can heal, can transform. 
and if we produce a a thought in the line of wrong thinking, a thought that is full of hate, anger, despair, that destroy your health, that destroy uh, your harmony, that make you suffer. So it brings ill-being right away. And it also brings ill-being to the world. We have uh, uh, discussed, we have learned about uh, rice fish. The kind of uh, speech that uh, express uh, non-discrimination, forgiveness, understanding, support, love. And we know that when we are able to say something like that, or to write down something like that, we feel wonderful. It's so liberating, it's so relieving, it's so healing. So rice fish uh, brings um, healing, brings well-being. And uh, anything that we say that has uh, poisons, discrimination and hate, and the will to punish, will make us suffer and will make others suffer. It will cause uh, ill being, wrong speech. And we know that as uh, a good practitioner, we can always uh, produce right speech, say something. They can heal. That I, that I, that can reconcile. A father can do that. A son can do that. A mother can do that. A daughter can do that. A politician can do that. A teacher can do that. Every one of us can do that. And today, we can do it today. We can send an email practicing uh, right speech and we can relieve the suffering inside and the suffering in that person right away. Why wait? <clears throat> we have discussed about uh, right action. Right action, the kind of action that brings relief that can support, that can protect, that can save, 
the lives of people, animals, plants, and minerals that can uh, help uh, protect the environment, that can reverse uh, the process of global warming. So reduction is possible in the here and the now. And we can, can consume uh, in mindfulness because the con- consuming in mindfulness is right action. So right action brings well-being. And uh, wrong action brings ill-being. And we have discussed the right livelihood, the kind of livelihood that will not uh, make us suffer, the kind of livelihood by which we can express our compassion, our idea of compassion and understanding. So those of us who have uh, a job, a kind of livelihood that uh, can help us express our um, our love, our uh, care, our compassion. We should be happy about that. It's wonderful to have that kind of job, that kind of livelihood. Even if it brings less money, but it brings much happiness. You know you are on the right path. And that alone makes you happy. So, right livelihood. Bring well-being and wrong. livelihood bring um, ill-being, destroy our planet, it brings um, toxins and poisons into the body and the mind of people who consume. And today we we should go on with the right uh, diligence. There are those of us who like uh, to use the word right efforts. I prefer diligence. Making efforts can make you tired. But uh, when you are diligent, you don't need to be tired. I don't want intensive practice. I want regular practice, diligent practice. 
that those of us who practice very intensively for a few a few weeks, and then after that, abandon the practice. But there are those of us who practice regularly, not intensive, but continuously. That will bring good result. That is why I like, I prefer to get diligence. But if you continue to do it because you like it, why do you continue to do that? Because I like it. That is the good answer. Because I enjoy doing that. That applies to the practice. If you don't enjoy the practice, you have to make an effort. <laughs> and make an effort, you get tired. And finally, you abandon the practice. That is why we prefer the word diligence. To stick to it, you, you continue to it because you like it. It's not because you have to do it. Why do you practice uh, sitting meditation? The best answer is because I like it. Why do you practice uh, walking meditation? Because I like it. Why do you uh, eat vegetarian? Because I like it. That's the best answer. Because you like it, that is why you continue to do it. And that is true diligence. Right diligence. And we know that uh, right diligence brings well-being. The practice of mindful walking, the practice of uh, mindful breathing, smiling, bring well-being, bring peace, bring happiness. And uh, the Buddha, after enlightenment, continues to practice. So practicing is not to become a Buddha. The Buddha is already a Buddha. Why does he have to practice? Because he likes it. <laughs> he likes breathing like that. He likes walking like that. He likes sitting like that. He likes eating like that because it brings him well-being. So when you ask the Buddha, dear Buddha, why do you continue to practice sitting meditation, walking meditation, because you are already a Buddha? Because I like it. Not because I want to become a Buddha. Right? So that is um, the, the, the best answer, I think, because I like it. <clears throat> but there are those of us who do not practice right diligence. They are very diligent, but their diligence is wrong diligence. And wrong decisions can bring ill being.
they are caught in their work. They become workaholic, workaholic. They don't have the time to take care of themselves. They don't have the time to take care of their beloved ones. They are sucked into the work. They are caught into the work. They cannot leave their computer. When the, the, when the, when the young boy comes and asks uh, them to go and play with, them, uh, with him in, uh, in a backyard, he said no, because he's uh, stick to a computer. He doesn't have the time for himself or his uh, little boy. He's caught. He's always reading the one street journal. During breakfast time, instead of uh, looking and smiling at his uh, children and son and, and enjoy breakfast together, he holds uh, one such journal and hides himself from, from his family. He's totally caught and sucked into his, uh, his work. He's very diligent. He wants success as a businessman. He always think of the values of his stocks, ups and downs, and he go ups and down with his stocks. <laughs> it's very diligent, right? But that's not right diligence. He's working so hard. He's uh, making a lot of effort, yes. He's very diligent in his work, yes. But there is no happiness. There is a businessman, very talented, called Frederick. is very successful in his business. And he's very proud of his work. And his wife, uh, Claudia, was very supportive. And she was very proud of being the wife of a, the boss of the company. She organized the receptions and so on. She was very proud. She supported him. And they spent night talking about difficulties and hopes. And they think of the success of the business is uh, their happiness. But finally, he was sucked into his work. He did not have the time for himself to breathe, to relax, to be with his family. And when his, um, their, their son, Philip, went to the hospital, hospital for a surgery, he could not even have time to go to the hospital and uh, to visit. And Claudia had to spend the whole night alone in the hospital. And then 
And when Claudia had to go for a surgery, he did not have the time to go to the hospital either. He was totally caught in his work, his willingness, his uh, desire to succeed. He devoted all his time and energy hoping to develop, to grow more in his uh, uh, enterprise. And there were nights when uh, Claudia was crying and she complained to him that she suffered. He does not have time. He did not have time for himself. He did not have time for her, for the two children. And he said that uh, they have to wait. Nobody can replace him now. But hopefully in the near future, someone will replace him. And then he will have time more to enjoy uh, being with his wife and uh, children. His, his, uh, his wife, Claudia, has to seek uh, relief by uh, going back to school to get another PhD degree, <laughs> uh, to uh, engage in social uh, humanitarian work, and to forget her loneliness. At the age of 50, uh, Frederick got into a car accident and died at the age of 50 only. And the company replaced him in just three days. In three days, they, they got another person to replace him. Before that, he said, no one can replace him. So Claudia came to one of our retreat here in Plum Ridge. And she told a story, a true story. And there are many Fredericks that are still alive. And there are many Claudia that are still alive, and they, found them, they find themselves in the same, very same situation. We want more and more and more and more success and power. We always run ahead. We do not have the capacity of living our life in the here and the now. And that is not true diligence. That is uh, wrong diligence. And true religions in the Buddhist teaching should be understood in that uh, in that light. When we walk from our parking lot to the office where we work, 
it is possible that we walk in such a way that it touch the ground of reality, the ground of life with every step. Because you might be walking like a sleepwalker. You only think of arrival at the workplace. But there's nothing spectacular in the workplace. You continue to do the same thing. That may be boring. But why do you walk like a sleepwalker? Why don't learn the way of the Buddha to enjoy every step? You have to walk there anyway. And why don't adapt uh, the art of mindful walking? Every step bring peace. Every step bring freedom. Every step bring healing. Every step help you to touch life with all the wonders. And that is not something so difficult to do. Everyone can do. If you free yourself from that kind of intention to run, to succeed, Walk in such a way that life is possible with every step. I have arrived in the here and the now. I am home in the present moment. I enjoy this moment. I am fully present in this, during this step. And every step I make is a testimony, is a is a proof that uh, I have lived my life. Look at the first step. I was present in that step. I signed this, my signature in that step. And that step has uh, solidity. Because I was... Um, Established solidly in the here and the now, and solidity. That step has the mark of freedom, because uh, when I made that step, I was not pulled away by the past, by the future, by my project, by my anger. I was free. So freedom and solidity are the marks of the step. And in the in the tradition of Buddhism, freedom and solidity are characteristics, characteristics of nirvana. And you can cultivate, cultivate freedom and uh, solidity just by walking. And if you can make a step like that during your lifetime, on earth. And then our children will say that, well, our ancestors were able to make steps like that. They will be proud of us. Walk with freedom. Walk like a Buddha. The Buddha, where is the Buddha? The Buddha is in you. Allow the Buddha to walk with freedom and with solidity. And you are walking like that. 
you are free. You are solid, solidly established in here and now. You don't have any worry. That does not seem to be any kind of hard practice, but that is true diligence. Every time you need to walk, walk in such a way. And your feet are still strong to do that. And you have enough strong will, good will to do that. Why wait? Freedom is now or never. Happiness is now or never. Allow you to be happy. Allow you to be free. In the upper hamlet, I always remind the brothers that when you walk, you should not talk or think. Because thinking pulls away our attention. Talking remove our attention on the steps. So not talking, not thinking during walking is to focus your attention entirely on every step you make. When you walk, you just walk. And walk in such a way that freedom, solidity, joy, and healing is possible with every step. Peace is every step. Healing is every step. Life is every step. Happiness is every step. And this is possible now, when we are still alive, when our feet are still strong enough to enjoy walking. And every step will become a legend for our children, because we know how to enjoy our time being on earth. And that is the best thing we can handle down to our children, our happiness, our freedom. In the teaching of the Buddha, true diligence, very often are described in four steps. And one step contains the other three. <coughs> the first step, the unbeneficial in us. Try your best not to allow them to manifest. Because in us there are beneficial things and unbeneficial things. 
in the depth of our consciousness, there is uh, a seed of love, a seed of compassion, a seed of joy, a seed of um, forgiveness. These are very beneficial uh, things that are in us. It's like uh, there are many kinds of uh, 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 bacteria in our uh, intestines, in our mouth. There are beneficial microflora and that are very useful. And there are harmful microflora. So there are good mental formations in the form of seeds that lie deep in our store consciousness. The capacity to forgive the capacity to be compassionate, the capacity to love, the capacity to be joyful, and all that are there. But the opposite are there also. Our anger, our fear, our despair, our trauma are there. So the first step of mindfulness is uh, the first, the first step of the practice of diligence is to be artful, skillful enough, not to allow them to manifest. Allow them to slip quietly, peacefully down there. Don't go down and touch them off. The trauma concerning the past, you have to let them to lullaby them to sleep down there. Because every time they wake up, they make a mess. <laughs> and there must be ways of doing so. So, our consciousness is represented by a circle with at least two layers. And uh, down and uh, lower level of a consciousness is called uh, store consciousness. Store. And the beneficial and the non-beneficial mental formations are there in the form of seeds. If you water, if you touch this seed down here, they will manifest up into the upper level of consciousness, called mental consciousness. So, store consciousness is like uh, the basement of our home. And uh, mental consciousness, mind consciousness, is like uh, the living room.
usually the things you don't like. I put them in the, in the basement. We don't want to. We want our living room to be presentable. Every time a seat of anger manifests here, the landscape of uh, of the living room is is not beautiful. And that is why we should try our best to keep the seat of anger down there. And that is the first, the first practice of uh, right um, delusions. And there must be ways to do it. You have to sing a lullaby in order to, to help that to sleep. In Plum I have a song, we have several songs to lullaby these uh, seeds of suffering, trauma, to sleep. So that you can bring into the living room the more beautiful things. The unbeneficial thing before they manifest, try to keep down there, keep down, keep them down there, because when they manifest, they will make us suffer, and uh, they will be strengthened at the base. The fact is that if you allow anger to come up here and occupy the whole living room. And if you allow, allow anger to stay long, and then at the base here, it will be strengthened. It will become more important. So let us not give it a chance to grow. If you get angry every day and your seat of anger grow bigger and bigger every day, remember? He was not anger like as anger as he is today ten years ago. He has allowed him, himself, he has allowed his anger to come up too often, and you have help <laughs> touching the anger in him. So he's much much more angry now than ten years ago, because the seed of anger has grown into a more much more important seed. Because he does not practice of right religions. He does not know how to keep the seat of anger sleeping down there. So help him, help her, gently, with a lot of um, insight and compassion.
second step of practice, the second aspect of practice is that if by chance, if it happens that that seed has already manifested, the seed of anger, the seed of despair, the seed of jealousy, the seed of uh, suffering, the seed of trauma has manifested. And then do something in order to help that to go down, to go back to its uh, original position in the store of consciousness. Because if it stays long there, it will be strengthened down there. This is the law. It is like uh, in many countries, if a political party is in the power, and that political party has sent to strengthen uh, its uh, grassroots uh, organization, because it has the power, it can strengthen its party. It's the same when anger is manifested and stays long in mind consciousness at the base. the seed will grow stronger. And you have to see that. Therefore, the second aspect of the practice of religions is that if, if it happened that one uh, unbeneficial uh, mental formation is manifested here, like anger and fear and despair, don't allow it to stay too long. Do something to help it Go back. Not suppressing, but helping it to go back. And one of the ways is to invite a beneficial one to come up, to replace. In the Sutra, the Buddha was using the image of, of a pack. Be easy. A carpenter, in order to connect two blocks of wood, should use a pack, and he drive a pack into a hole, and then he keep the two pieces of block of wood together. But if the pack is rotten, or it's not a good one, he can change the pack. He can use another pack and drive uh, the old one out, and replace it by a new pack, a pack changing that is a recommendation made by the Buddha. When an unbeneficial mental formation is manifested, the practitioner should know how to replace it by a good one. This is called a Changing the pack. Now we can use um, the image of a CD. If the CD does not please us, if the sound does not please us, why? 
we have to listen. We have to change the CD. So changing the CD is the second aspect of the practice. If you don't like anger, despair, why do you have to sit there in order to, to suffer? If you don't want that film, why do you have to sit there in order to, to suffer? Change the channel. And there are good CDs in you. The CD of compassion, of love, of joy, of peace. So, invite it up. And it is uh, very pleasant. And it can change uh, the situation right away. And you don't have to combat to suppress the other, um, the other um, mental formation. <clears throat> Imagine the Buddha telling us how to do it. Step by step, changing the city, that's not too difficult. Bring your attention to the beneficial and uh, remove your attention from the non-beneficial. And that is the practice called uh, the practice of uh, appropriate attention. You bring your attention to the things that can uh, help touch the good things in you, like uh, the sound of the bell. We are used already to the practice of listening to the bell. Every time we hear the bell, naturally we stop thinking, we stop talking, and we focus our attention on the bell and we enjoy breathing in and out, and we touch peace. We touch our body, our mind, we touch peace. So bringing your attention to an object that can help us uh, to touch the beneficial in us is called uh, appropriate attention. Như lý tác ý. Sanskrit is Yoniso Manaskara. Yoniso Manaskara. Manaskara is attention. Yoniso is uh, positive. And when you 
bring attention to the things that will help uh, the unbeneficial feeling to arise, like anger, craving, desire, despair. That kind of attention is wrong attention, wrong mindfulness. That is called uh, Ayoniso Manaskara. Ayoniso Manaskara. Unappropriate attention. Fi Nilitake. And this is what we can do. We have to arrange our life in such a way. And our attention will be focused on the positive, on the beneficial, so that the good things in us will be manifest to replace the negative things. And a practitioner should have, um, should be artful, skillful, intelligent in order to organize her life. When you read a magazine, there may be an article that uh, will bring out the worst in you. So I refuse to read such a magazine. Because I know, if I know that I am not strong enough, I will refrain. If I am strong enough, if I am a good a, a practitioner that has enough strength, and um, courage and joy, and then I may be able to read that article or to see that film without being affected by it, so that I can give my idea, I can help educate the young people and advise them not to, not to view that kind of film. But if I am weak, too weak, I know that I will be affected by it, and then I would refrain from seeing that film. So picking up a magazine and glancing through, you know that uh, you can practice uh, appropriate attention. You don't read the things that bring you toxin, poisons, and bring up uh, the negative uh, feelings and emotions in you. The third aspect of uh, right religions is the beneficial that has been slipping down there for a long time without a chance to manifest. Invite them to come up. Like a friend, it has been a long time you have not invited her to come. And you know that her presence in the living room is a big joy. So send her an email. Send her an invitation. And you know that her presence in your living room dissipates the darkness, the sorrow. So that friend is in you. the capacity to be happy, to be joyful, to be compassionate, and uh, 
these friends are always available. You have, we should invite them often to the, to the living room. That's not too difficult to do. Invite them. You do have, I do have, good friends. I know that every time a friend like that is in my living room, I enjoy so much. A feeling of joy, of serenity, of peace, of self-fulfillment, of forgiveness is always possible. Joy and happiness are always possible. So this is the third aspect of the practice, the beneficial, the beneficial things. Give them a chance to manifest. And by the practice of Yoniso Manaskara, appropriate attention. And living in a community of practice, we support each other. We help each other not to sink into the past, not to embrace uh, our pain, our sorrow of the past, but come out to the present moment and enjoy the wonders of life that are available in the present moment. So that is why organizing a community of practice is very important. That is a refuge for many of us. Sangha building is a very noble uh, task. We need a Sangha in order to preserve, to maintain our practice. We need a Sangha in order for many people to come and take refuge and suffer less. So building Sangha is very important. And you get a pleasure, you get a lot of pleasure building a Sangha. <clears throat> the fourth aspect of the practice of true religions is that when the beneficial arises, try to keep them as long as possible with you, like a friend. Because the longer they stay in the living room, at the base, the seat will become more important, the seat of joy, of peace. Suppose we come for a five-day retreat, only five days. According to our, to our experiences, the first day is difficult because people are not used to it. Life out there is very quick and suddenly come, coming here in a retreat, you have to, to abandon that kind of speech. You have to adapt another speech. You practice noble silence. You practice uh, mindful breathing. Uh, you have to walk slowly. <laughs> and that is uh, difficult, especially for beginners. 
And usually there are a few who want to leave after the first day. Why have I come here? Am I crazy to come to a retreat like this? Why do I have to stand up and bow this direction and bow to that direction? It's silly. I don't enjoy doing that. Why bowing like that? It does not mean anything. (laughs) But on the second day, these friends suffer less. On the third day, they they begin to like it. Because uh, the good seeds have been watered for three days. The good seeds have been watered for three days during the Dharma talks during Dharma discussion, during the session of Dharma discussion, and brotherhood, sisterhood arises. And they feel that, well, it makes sense to walk uh, slowly like that, to relax. Why do I have to run? And that kind of insight become to come, begin to come, and they accept. On the fourth day, they are told that after tomorrow, the retreat will end. Oh, we only have tomorrow, the last day. So on, on the fifth day, they are so happy. But that, uh, that is the last day already. So that happened with the five-day retreat. <laughs> but many of us can only afford to come to a five-day retreat. Whether you are in England or in America, five-day retreat is what we can afford. But fifth 21-day retreat. <laughs> it's a very rare, <laughs> very precious. Because during 21 days, the good things in us are water every day. And, uh, and the, second, the second week is not like the first week. There were difficulties in the first week, but in the second day, well, people feel much more at ease. And they enjoy brotherhood, sisterhood, the practice, the peace. In our hamlet, we are 250, but it's very peaceful, very quiet. And we feel, we feel our presence, powerful presence, silent, powerful presence. We feel brotherhood. Therefore, if uh, a good friend has come to your living room, try your best to keep her, to keep him with you as long as possible. So the good things uh, that have arise, try to keep them. Because at the the basement, at the base, uh, that goodness will continue to grow. And next time, these good things manifest so easily because they are important. Sometimes you don't have to invite. They just 
come to your living room and you are used to happiness. A happiness becomes a regular thing, a normal thing. Before that, happiness is not normal. Only from time to time we have happiness. But if happiness, the seed of happiness, the seed of love is strong, they will manifest by themselves without invitation. And they are welcome. So to summarize, to repeat, the unbeneficial keep down, keep them slipping down there. Don't invite them up. Second, if they have uh, manifested, try your best to to bring them down to their original position as soon as possible. The good things that have not manifested, invite them up to manifest. The fourth is when they have manifested, keep it. Invite it to stay longer. That is the true, the true meaning of diligence. That is uh, spoken by the Buddha. And you enjoy doing so. Doing so, you don't suffer. And you enjoy it. That is why it should be described as diligence and not effort. Because you don't need to suffer at all.
The second mindfulness training is about uh, generosity, not stealing. Not to, uh, to, not to harm the environment, not to be greedy. And to uh, to be happy um, with uh, a minimum conditions, and this is very important. When you revise the second mindfulness training, you have to. Uh, think of uh, true happiness. Because if uh, people practice uh, wrong uh, diligence because they have too much desire, and having too much desire, you don't have time to live your life, to love, to get the healing and transformation. You burn yourself with the fire of desire. And this should be a bare mindfulness for people like Frederick, the businessman. There are many of those, many Fredericks in our world. They are powerful. They may be very successful in their enterprise but they suffer, they don't really live their life. They have, don't have the time to practice uh, the four aspects of true diligence, because they are caught in wrong diligence. They are sucked into the work. The second mindfulness training about not stealing Practicing generosity has to do with a simple life, a simple lifestyle. And we know that uh, it has to do with desire. And we have spoken about the original desire, the desire of the infant, of the tender infant in us, that, that the original desire is the desire to survive. If you continue to work hard today, accumulating more and more, that is only a continuation of that primordial desire. You still worry a lot. You see, want to survive, and you don't know. You continue the infant, the feeling of the infant in you. Yesterday we have learned that desire and fear are the same thing. You are afraid that you will die. And that is why you desire. You desire that there must be someone that can, be, can help you, can help you to survive. 
you are hoping every moment for that person to come to help you, to protect you. You are helpless. You do not have any means to survive by yourself. You need another person. If we look deeply into our desire, we see that every kind of desire that we have is a continuation of the original desire. First, we think that uh, getting the diploma is uh, essential for our survival. It will assure uh, us a place, a job. So we invested, we invested everything into getting the diploma. You don't enjoy studying. Even if uh, to learn things is a joy, to discover things is a joy. But we consider studying as only a means. We only want the end, which is the diploma. So studying is a kind of uh, hard work. And I have to practice diligence. I should be a diligent student. I suffer because uh, what I want is not what I study, but the diploma that they will give me. So that is wrong diligence. A good student enjoys everything, every hour of class, because uh, that is the food for the soul, the food for the spirit. Like a Dharma talk. You don't listen to a Dharma talk in order to, 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 to get a credit, a certificate. You listen to the Dhamma talk because the Dhamma talk water the good seat, the seat of joy and peace and happiness and wisdom in you, right? So you enjoy the Dhamma talk. Here the students do not enjoy this, the study, they just think of their diploma. And the day they got the diploma, they relax for a few days. And they begin to think, now the next step is to get a job. Because a diploma without a job will lead nowhere. So now the, the goal uh, is different, seeking for a job. What kind of job? So after, if uh, the person is 14 days, and then after three months, six months, she got a job. But after getting a job, she will think that uh, now I need a house. And she continues like that. She can never enjoy her diploma or his, her job. Once uh, they obtain, and there are those of us who do not obtain 
and those who have obtained what they want, that does not make them happy either because they want another. So desire after desire, you never stop. And we learn that all kind of desire is the continuation of the original desire. To be safe, because uh, worry is, is always there. The little child in us continues to worry, to be fearful. And we have not got the time to talk to the inner child, to tell him, to tell her that there is no reason why we should worry, because everything is fine now. In the present moment, there is no problem, there is no threat. And if in the present moment we don't have any problem, it means we don't have any problem. Why continue to worry, to be fearful? So you have to, to, to transmit the wisdom to the inner child. We can go to the, to the hill to be alone. Walking among the plum trees or the vines and talk to the child inside. My dear brother, young brother, my dear young sister, I know you suffer. You are my inner child. I am your grown-up adult. I am your adult self. I am you. And I would like to talk to you. That we have grown together to be an adult already. This is the fact, you see. We have become an adult. We are no longer a vulnerable child. Remember that. We have grown up into an adult. We have the capacity to take care of ourselves. We can protect ourselves. We can survive easily, like everyone. Why continue to worry like that? Why continue to be fearful like that? That will, that will spoil everything. So please take my hand, let us walk together. Let's enjoy every step. We should really talk to the child inside aloud, not just thinking, just do it, and you may like to talk to your inner child every day, and the healing will take place, and your child will join join you in your new life.
the Buddha spoke about uh, the practice of Samtusta. Samtusta means uh, you are satisfied with the conditions of life that you are having. You have already had enough conditions to be happy. And that is thanks to mindfulness. You don't need more. It's possible to to have no more desire. It is possible to have no more desire. My little house in Apamlet is good enough, it's beautiful enough, I don't need a bigger. I have a many big windows that I consider to be my television screen. <laughs> Big screens. And the landscape in the upper hamlet, looking to the east, is so beautiful. Please come and visit my hut one day when you are in the upper hamlet. It is possible to have no more desire. If you feel, if you already feel safe, if you have mindfulness, you recognize that you have plenty of uh, conditions to be happy already. You don't need to run into the future and get a few more conditions. We have seen people without diplomas. But they are very happy. We have seen many people without a big house, a big car, and they are perfectly happy. So, Samtusta means uh, you recognize that you have enough conditions to be happy right here and right now. And you can sing. Enough. I know this is enough. I don't want to, to run anymore. I don't want to get anymore. Uh, anything more. This is enough for me. That is the teaching of Buddha. Once you adapt that, that style of living, you become a happy person right away. Thank you.
Samtusta has been translated by some friend as uh, realizing that one has one is satisfied with a few a few things a little with little I'm afraid that this not correspond to the word uh, tuk tuk means sufficient enough and maybe more than enough because when you go home to the present moment and you pass in review all the conditions of happiness that you have, you may find that more, they are more than enough for you to be happy right, right now. And that is uh, the style of life recommended by the Buddha. Stop running. You don't need to to have more desire. Stop desiring. Because uh, even if you get the object of your desire, you will not be happy because you will run after another one. And how to adopt this uh, wisdom in our modern life? Those people still have that kind of uh, thinking, concept. You are happy only when you got a lot of money, a lot of power to be happy. And many people believe like that. And looking around, we see many people who have plenty of money, who have plenty of power, but they suffer very deeply of stress, of loneliness, and many of them commit suicide. So power, money, desire is not the answer. We have to educate ourselves. We have to educate our people. The art of living with uh, the teaching of uh, Samtusta. We can be happy right here and right now. And this is uh, what the Buddha told a group of businessmen who came to see him. In the Plumbly Shantin book, there is a, a sutra with the title, The Sutra Given to the Hawaii-clad Disciple. Because uh, the monastic are the brown-clad people, or the <laughs> but uh, the lay people, white-white, white-clad people. Anatapinika is a businessman, was a businessman. And it is him who offered the Buddha the first uh, practice center for the monks in the city of Shravasti. And uh, he was a good practitioner. He came to every Dhamma talk. He tried to persuade his uh, children to come to the Dhamma talk. And his, um, his family was a happy one because uh, they know how to profit from the Dharma. They were at one time when there was a recession. 
and he also suffered of bankruptcy. But he did not. Uh, he did not suffer because he, he had been so generous. He had been helping many uh, lonely, destitute people in the country that they gave him the noble title Anatta Pindika. Anatta Pindika is the one who offer help to lonely, destitute people. His real name is Sudatta. So the beautiful name uh, Anatta Pindika was given him by his own people. So in that time of bankruptcy, he did not suffer, and he had so many friends coming to help him to rebuild his uh, uh, his business. And one day, he brought to the Buddha many hundreds of businessmen. They came and visited the Venerable Shariputra. Because Sariputra was a very deep, very good friend of Anatta Pindika. Sariputra walked with him from, uh, from uh, Rajagraha to uh, Shravasti. And they become very close friends. And uh, after that, Sariputra brought all of them to the Buddha. And the Buddha gave that uh, discourse, the Dhamma talk, that is available in the Shanti book, the sutra given to the white, black people. The Buddha knew that businessmen, they are very busy. They are concerned about their success. They may not have time to live their life with their family. So in that sutra, the Buddha taught the businessmen the teaching, uh, the, the, the art of living called Namaditi uh, Sukha Vihara. It is possible to be happy, to live happily, in the present moment. Hiền Pháp Lạc Trú It is possible to live happily in the present moment. The Sankri is Drista uh, Dharma Sukha Vihara Living happily in the present moment. You don't need to run in the future. You don't need to have more success. You are successful enough like that. And the expression Dhamma Dhamma 
Sukha Vihara was repeated five times in the discourse. So that is a good medicine for Anatta Unfortunately, Frederick did not have a chance to listen to that Dharma talk. And if you have a friend who is in business circle, offer him, offer her that discourse so that he or she will not step into the footstep of Frederick. Bring uh, insight, bring knowledge to him, to her, so that they have a chance to stop and live their life. And I think this is the teaching that our time need, our society need, because everybody is running like mad, a madman. Nobody is uh, able to live relaxingly and enjoy the present moment. Everyone is so stressful. And because they, everyone is practicing wrong diligence. <laughs> they are very diligent, yes, very industrial. Shall we have a session of question and answer tomorrow? Please. So, so we shall have a session of question and answer tomorrow. You may like to have your question uh, asked directly, or you may have to write it down and and uh, a sister, a brother will read read them from time to time. Enjoy the low hamlet. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow is lazy day. <laughs> tomorrow is lazy day. No question and answer tomorrow. After tomorrow, okay. It's wonderful to be to have a lazy day. <laughs>